Pablo Fatidis. He gets things fixed too. He is the founder of the Auric Business Accelerator. And the whole is worth more than the parts. This is a nice contentious topic to have this evening, Pablo, because investors don't always see that. They don't always see the whole being worth more than the sum of the parts. The question is how to get to a point where your investors or your buyers one day see that value. So what's the problem? Well, so Bruce, you've hit the nail on the head because investors don't always see that and don't always value it. And just yesterday, I had a fascinating, fascinating meeting with a company that's 20 years old that sells wheelchairs right across the United States. It is a big market in a big place with big, big groups of customers and consumers. And they have been gunning it for all these years, succeeding in all these years. They've got fantastic products. They've got all the bits and bobs that are needed. And were recently approached by a very, very large competitor who said, maybe the time has come for us to take you out the market because we can't compete with you. And we're struggling to compete with you. And the founder sat there beaming, listening to this opportunity. And the buyer then continued to say, what we'd like to do is give you a big fat offer. And indeed it was a big fat offer. We're gonna buy out the business. The founder, very proud of the business, very proud of the fact that the average tenure of all staff working there, all 98 people, the average tenure was 14 years. So very loyal to his team, very loyal to the company. People mattered to him enormously. And the caveat was, that once we bought the business, the cost of you retrenching all your employees will be on your account. So the big fat purchase price that was offered would be ultimately through tax and through retrenchments be diminished to almost just under a third of the first offer. And he was devastated by this. And the buyer then went on to say, we don't want all the company. The only thing we want is your marketing engine. So as a founder, if you can't get into a position where you've built a business where the whole is worth more than the parts, be aware because anyone looking to buy or anyone looking to invest in the business is going to hold the mindset of an asset stripper. And you never get full value in an asset strip, not even remotely. And in that process, any legacy you might have built that matters to you going forward is going to be diminished and eroded. So it was a really good example. Exactly. I mean, the guys who who operate bio oil, which is a massive South African export, and it was part of a company called Swiss International, which had about 30 or 40 businesses, if memory serves. Um, and two accountant brothers bought this business because they um, thought to themselves, well, they'd do exactly that. They'd, you know, they were wanting to buy bio oil, but they couldn't buy it individually. So they had to buy the whole bang shoot. Um, and as they were chopping and div- divvying up everything else, they discovered that bio oil was just magnificent. And um, they uh, honed in on that. I think it's, I don't know if they sold of other businesses. I don't know how exactly they did it. Um, but what a remarkable success that has been globally by finding that one asset. And your buyer is not going to see your business in the way that you see it. So how do you make the whole attractive to the buyer? Because otherwise you're not getting the full value of what you've built. No, you're not going to get it. And I want to talk about another business set that we've recently engaged with, Bruce. It's made up of the four business partners who started this business together. 
And what they did across South Africa is that they built a business that's really, really good at distribution. So distribution is the process of taking a product or a service to market so that a customer or consumer can use that product or service, right? We all have to get that part right in our business. Um, it's well and good building a product. It's well and good building a service. But if nobody knows about you or nobody can access your product or service, it means you haven't organized your distribution and you've got to get distribution right. They're really good at this. They're really, really good at it. They went and they secured six international brands. They secured, they secured them on an exclusive basis. A couple come out of the US, a couple come out of Europe, and one comes out of the Far East. Really good products that they offer. They are cool products, they're funky products, they are contemporary products, they are um, appealing products. And they have built a significant business behind this. They're energetic, they're relentless, they're formidable, they're persistent. They then wanted to sell. They got into a point where they thought on the back of their balance sheet, they could get the business to the size that they could. And in order for them to double up on the size of the business, they would have to go and take an extensive loan or bring in a fifth partner by way of equity. And they opted not to do that. And there are a whole lot of pros and cons behind that decision. So they found a buyer and the buyer turned around and offered them a valuation, Bruce, that was tiny <laughs> compared to their revenues. And they were completely perplexed by this. So they went through a process with the buyer to try and understand how the valuation came about because their revenues were growing. They were pumping revenues. The revenues were climbing year on year on year. Even in the COVID period, even in the tough economy we're in, they were climbing. But their profits as a percentage of revenues started to diminish the more and more and more that they grew. And that then started to erode the valuation of the business itself. And on close inspection, what we learned was this. Each of those six brands ultimately serve very different types of customers. There was absolutely no coherence around the end consumer. So imagine bringing in a brand, a suite of products that are suited to teenagers and specifically teenagers in urban centers. Then bring in a second brand that's suited to uh, rural environments for the family unit. And then a third brand that's suited to small businesses in metropolitan areas. And then a fourth brand that's suited to corporate blue chip mining companies. There's absolutely no similarity, no coherence around the end user. And if you build a business, especially around a brand, to get distribution right, you've got to create marketing campaigns that will resonate with the end users. And how you market to a blue chip mining corporation is very different to how you market to young teenagers in urban centers. For each of the brands, they had to build six separate marketing campaigns. That means they were doubling up on six marketing systems yeah. for each of the brands. Yeah. On the selling cycle, six separate selling cycles. Try and on say that after a glass of wine. Six separate selling cycles makes you sad. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, it makes you very sad. So in, in many ways, although this was one business, 
it was actually six small businesses wrapped up as one business and there were absolutely no efficiencies. There was, there was no ability to build something and use it again and again and again and again. Every time you built something that worked for one of the brands, you had to build it again for the others. So as the revenues grew, what happened? The costs grew in tandem with the revenues. And when costs and revenues marry each other tightly, it never drops down to the bottom line. And the bottom line ultimately is what people are looking for in order to understand whether the growth that they're buying is going to be profitable or whether the growth that they're buying is going to be trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it, as the seller? But as the buyer, you need to make sure that you can make a, make a profit out of what you're buying. And it's this, it's this corrosion of value and making sure that you're, you are able to leverage what it is that you have created over time. So, Pablo, as we wrap up this evening, as we sort of get towards half past seven, I'm, I'm wondering how then we ensure that we get the real value, the value we see in our business. And I don't think anyone, I don't think any seller is ever satisfied, are they, in terms of, of the value they achieve? No, 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 many sellers are. But, you know, here's the thing that's, that's frustrating about the whole process. As a buyer, the seller, in other words, of any business, because that's ultimately where you will land up one day, hopefully, hopefully. Um, as the seller, in that instance, as the owner of the business, you're the architect of your own valuation. It's, it's not a process of luck. Timing does come into it very definitely. You know, things shift and change in the economy and trends and vogues and everything plays an influence on it. But ultimately, if you understand that you have full control over the ability to sell your business and you have even more control over the ability to get a price that you determine for your business. Imagine starting your business process with that beginning point. In other words, you're starting with the end in mind. And you turn around and say, I want to achieve a, 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 a 50 million rand valuation for my business. The first thing it requires is for you to get an understanding of how valuation works. And once you've understood how valuation works and you understand the mechanics of valuation, Bruce, you simply build a business to demonstrate those mechanics in play. And that journey is a 10, 20, 30 year journey, depending on the quantum of value you want to get out of the business. That's the first thing. The second thing is in the case of this particular business, which is really, they are, they are such a smart, energetic bunch of people. But the big error over here was to believe that your business is defined by your product. That when you have a great product in your hand, and we see this time and time and time again, and if you watch Shark Tank, or if you watch Dragon's Den, or any of these programs where you find these entrepreneurs pitching to investors, the belief is that the product I've got is what is, is the route to being a billionaire. The product itself will make the entire business work. And part of the rough discussion and the tough discussion is that there is no such thing as a product advantage. You know, a really good example of it is the next time you're with a group of people, get a sense of how many people have got an Apple phone and how many people have a Samsung phone. And then say, which is the best product? Because truth be said, 
they really are exactly the same. One might have one or two attributes here, the other might have one or two attributes there. The reason people have those particular phones is because their relationship with the brand is such that they feel aligned to the brand. And if you think about what creates that relationship, Samsung, Apple, and all the other competitors out there providing very, very similar devices have understood who they serve, They've understood what matters to us and what values we have and how we go about doing our buying process. And they have built an entire system of business to resonate with that. Yeah. They know full well that their product today might be slightly better than their competitors, but their competitors tomorrow will have something slightly better than them. If you look at your business in terms of customer groups and understand that business is 99% psychology and 1% product, not 99% product and 1% psychology. I think you're on track to build a very coherent business that will have the sum of its parts far greater than the whole. Brands are important. I mean, this is about branding. It's about ensuring that the, the, the value that you believe exists in the market is perceived by others. Completely. And, and if you think really in truth what brand means, and, and there's a lot of work being done globally at the moment on brands, Bruce, because in, in many instances during COVID, so many companies had their balance sheets completely smashed. Good companies, solid companies, and increasingly I'm coming across very novel ways to value brands and to value intellectual property by some very, very forward thinking funders who are saying, if you can build a brand, if you can build intellectual property, we will put a value to it and we will loan money against that as the asset. And if you truly, truly think what a brand is, a brand is the experience you have towards a product or a company. And an experience is created, yes, in part by the product, but mostly about how the company behaves towards you. That's the key. If we can get that message landed and build a business that excels at that, at creating that experience, your product can be okay, but you'll still beat anyone with a better product. Pablo Fatidis, thank you. He is the founder and managing director at Auric Business Accelerator. Joins us every Thursday evening to talk about small business. Also on a Thursday, Warren Ingram, a personal financial advisor, he is going to talk to us about investing for income in markets such as we're seeing at the moment where huge volatility reigns. Um, I've got a question from Roberto so far for Warren. I've got a question um, from Stanley um, as well this evening. So lots of uh, questions coming through. Thank you for those. You can get them through to us anytime you like, and we'll make sure that Warren gets to be challenged when it comes to you better understanding how to manage your money.